I often think that we make prayer much more complicated than it really needs to be. And, or sometimes it's almost the opposite, and we define it far too narrowly. And one of the things that I've really learned by reading more about what Benedict had to say to his monks is that prayer is much broader than we think. Prayer is simply being with God. It's opening up our hearts and our minds to his presence, finding out what his will is for us, sharing our problems with him, and being with God. And there are three things that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at listening prayer. We're going to look at meditating on God's word. And we're going to talk about praying in community. Now, Benedict expected his monks to spend quite a lot of time in silence. Now, perhaps the first thing we can do is simply stop, pause, and listen. But silence can be a bit tricky sometimes, can't it? We don't quite know what to do with silence. So maybe those words that we had read to us so nicely just now from Philippians can help. Paul said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And when we turn off the distractions, then we start to notice such excellent things, don't we? The laugh of a child or a shaft of sunlight through the leaves of a tree. And these things all help us turn our minds outwards to God. I have to say, some of the most profound prayer moments in my life have come in just those ways, while out pushing the buggy round the wildflower meadows on the outskirts of Camborne, or walking the dog on a rain-soaked evening, or just sitting by my window looking out over the half-built houses of Upper Camborne as the sun sets. And it's not just the the beauty of the natural world and the world around us that can have this effect, but it's people too. When you see an act of kindness, when somebody is good to you, that can help you think again about God and about his love. And even in times of darkness, then these small things can bring us back to what is noble, what is pure, what is lovely. They can awaken a sense of God's presence And it's often as we listen to these things and just let our minds flow on from them that we start to sense God's presence and hear what it is he has to say to us. And then you'll hear the God of peace, as Paul referred to him. And this art of practicing the presence of God is something that we can take with us into into all things. You see, the monks, they too were expected to work And uh, they had manual labour, they had study, and they had the divine offices or prayer. And while they were working the land, or preparing food in the kitchen, or maintaining the house, then they would practice the presence of God, and look out for him in all that they did. And then all that they did becomes worship. I wonder, what difference would it make to your day if as you sat down at your desk or picked up your tools or got out the toys, 
if you dedicated everything you did that day to God and made it part of your prayer and your worship, what difference would it make on Monday morning? What difference would it make to your day if you could just carve out maybe a few minutes of silence in your day? What difference could it make right now? So to help us to get the focus right on God, then we're first going to stand and we're going to sing together and we're going to sing, Be My Everything. And then when the music fades, then just sit or kneel or make yourself comfortable and listen and pray. Think about some excellent things and see what God has to say. And we'll have maybe five minutes of silence. If you felt that God was particularly speaking to you in that time of silence, then do hold on to those thoughts. And if you want more opportunities to pray with people, perhaps, then there will be somebody sitting at the round table at the back where the candle flickers now. And so later on, if you want to pray more, then please do go, go and find somebody there or talk to other people, maybe in your small group during the week or to someone in the ministry team. We, we love praying together. Now, as we've listened to God in the silence and we've thought about practicing the presence of God during our everyday lives in amongst the busyness, looking for that small detail which opens us back to God, then we're doing much of what the Benedictine monks would do. But they'd also spend several hours a day engaged in studying God's word. Um, I don't have several hours a day to engage in studying God's word. But when I do have time, and it may just be a few minutes, then I find it so helpful to read the Bible, to read the words of God's great love for mankind, the story of God's love through the ages. And today, we often think about reading as a bit of a cerebral activity. But for Benedict, it wasn't just about learning facts. We weren't, he didn't just want his monks to, to read the Bible so they could tell you in which verse of Kings some, some particular exciting thing happened. I'm not very good at remembering what happened where in Kings. Um, that wasn't the point of the reading. The point of the reading was to take in the story through your whole person. And I was really intrigued to learn that Benedict, at that time, he didn't expect people just to read with their eyes like we would. So if I'm reading this, I'll just skim over this and go, oh, yes. No. So when Benedict was teaching his monks to read the Bible, he just assumed that they would read with their mouths as well. Even when reading silently, they would form the words with their mouths. Now, I've given this a go recently, and I really suggest you try it as well. Because when you read with your lips as well as with your eyes, you can't skim read. And when you read with your lips as well as with your eyes, then your whole body starts to get involved. You start to taste the words, and you start to get lost in the story. It does mean you can't avoid the difficult bits. But it also means you engage with the words of comfort, with the promises, with the truths that are there. You engage at a deeper level, at a heartfelt level. And also, as you read words from scripture, 
again and again. And this is something the Benedictine monks would do. They, they'd read a passage, and then they'd read it again, and they, they'd read it again, and they'd meditate on it as they did so. And sometimes they'd find that just a single verse came out at them. And then they'd read that again, slowly, and they'd pray through it. And as you start to do that, without even trying, you find yourself memorizing bits of the Bible. And then it's there, stored in your head, when you need something that is lovely, something that is excellent, something that is noble to think on. Perhaps when you're trying to find God in a particularly tough moment of everyday life. And also, when you pray through the Bible like this, you find it starts to change you quite naturally. And you become closer to the man or the woman that God has designed you to be. And closer to God. So we've seen how in the silence and listening to God, we can find him. We've thought about how prayer can influence all that we do in our busy lives. And we've seen how studying God's word and letting ourselves be drawn deeper into it and nourished by it can all be prayer. But I think there's something else. I want to ask one more question this morning. Why are you here? Why have we come together to worship God? What is it about praying in community that makes such a difference? Why can't we just seek God in the silence or in the beauty of nature? And this is something which Benedict was really strong on. The monks lived in community. They spent much of their time together. And he also taught them how to pray in community. I think we'll find those words quite reassuring. Tashing is going to come and read some to us now. The rule of St. Benedict, chapter 20, reverence in prayer. If we wish to ask a favor of a powerful person, we would not dare to do so except with humility and respect. Is it not all the more important for us to pray to the Lord, the God of all, with the utmost respect? humility and purity of devotion. We must be aware that he will only listen to us if we pray, not so much at length, but with purity of heart and tears of, of compunction. And so our prayer should be kept short and simple unless divine grace inspires us to prolong our prayer. So Benedict knew that Spontaneity and freedom of private prayer worked best when balanced with the structure of ordered corporate prayer. And sometimes we won't feel the presence of God with us, but when we come together, we know that he is here. Sometimes we need to hear truths that, left to our own devices, we would studiously avoid. But when we come together, we hear those things. And sometimes we just long for the joyful communion of God's people worshipping together. I find it so reassuring, don't you, that Benedict taught his monks that it was the attitude behind the prayer and not the skill with the words that mattered. And how often have you been in a small group situation and, and there's time to pray, pray and you just worry that you're going to get the words wrong and so you keep quiet. It's not about that. It's about what's on your heart and whether you pray those prayers out loud or whether they're in your heart. As we pray together, 
then we together, the body of Christ, are offering up our prayers to him. And one way that we can do this in the church, and one way that Christians and Jews before, the, before us have been doing this for centuries and centuries, is by joining in the ancient words of praise, thanksgiving, or petition that are found in the Psalms. And not just saying the words, but making them our own, and putting our hearts and our souls into them. For the monks, this meant doing the work of God seven times a day in chapel, where the rule is filled with careful detail about exactly what should happen when, which psalms they should read at each time, and in which order, when they should sing the Alleluia, and when they should sing the Gloria. And uh, the bit I really liked, and I think in Campbell we'd quite appreciate, he also made provision for singing the Gloria just that little bit slower if there were latecomers. And I thought, in Camborne, that is brilliant. So when we sing our gathering song, maybe we should slow it down slightly sometimes if there are people still coming through the door. And he had all these things in his mind, that people coming together to worship using familiar words was powerful. And every week, the monks would pray through the whole Psalter. That's the whole book of Psalms. And I think that's probably a little much for most of us to try and fit into our busy days. But again, picking up a psalm now and then is something we can do. And it's something we often do on a Sunday morning. I wanted to read to you something that Jonas Aitken has written. Um, he's a broadcaster, journalist, and former MP. You may remember the perjury scandal. And he's written powerfully of the roles that Psalms had in his own life. His faith came alive in prison. And while he was there in his prison cell, reading the Psalms sustained him. And he explains, The Psalms are a collection of songs of experience, which, in beautiful Hebrew poetry, distill the wisdom of the ages on the pressures faced by the ancient people of Israel. And even in our own godless era, many of these ancient experiences will strike a chord with contemporary people feeling under pressure. If so, they may find the Psalms a treasure trove of answers and antidotes relevant to some of the more stressful situations in modern times. And when we pray with the Psalms, then there will be times when the situation just fits so well with our own lives that the words will just flow off the page into our hearts and up in praise or in pain or petition. But other Psalms won't be where we are. But they will remind us of somebody else and they will help us to pray for somebody who is in that place of celebration or who is in that place of, place of pain. And others take us on a journey and they remind us again of God's great love for mankind as played out through the story of the Bible. There's no human experience which is not captured there in the Psalms. And this gives us confidence as Paul extolled the Philippians, to pray in every situation. And in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So, what can we conclude? Prayer does not need to be unduly complicated. It is something that each of us can do, even in the middle of our hectic lives. And it's not simply about the right words or actions. Instead, it's about looking for ways that you can pray, 
Pray as you can and not as you can't. And Benedict, like Paul before him, inspires us to pray without ceasing in every situation. In the silence, in your work, in your play. As you study God's word, as you join with the prayers of the church through all the generations, and as we meet week by week here together. Surely this is something we should rejoice in. As Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.